ho, ho, ho. Season's greetings from Agent Cooper and the gang. And all those Douglas firs up here in Twin Peaks. Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Kazaska. Hey, Ben. Hey, Brian. Hey, how's it going? Good. Boy, we are ending this year, this 2020. We're coming to the end here. Right. And in full disclosure, we're recording this at the end of October, so we don't know how 2020 ends. We don't know what ha- if the, the U.S. president, who, who the U.S. president is right now. We don't know if know. an asteroid destroyed the planet. We don't know right. anything. The aliens found this and <laughs> are listening to it now or what? Right, uh, right. But we do know one thing, that normally we would do a best of to end the year with. But this year I decided I, I wanted to do something a little bit different. I wanted to do best of Twin Peaks in 2020. Now, that means not highlighting a bunch of stuff you've already heard from the year. This is highlighting the community, including us, because we did some cool things. This is really about highlighting what the community has done in 2020 to keep the community together um, in times of division, in, in times where we cannot be together using Zoom or podcasts, or a visual media. And I think that's really cool that we kept each other busy. Yes. We kept each other stimulated. We kept each other, we showed each other love in different ways. And I think we're stronger for it. Um, I think this was, it it was a hard year for a lot of people, no doubt. And um, I think Twin Peaks was kind of like the sunlight in the darkness. You Zoom to continue our show week to week with you, Ben, has been a, a, a spotlight of my week. Uh, we did a bunch of other things, which we'll get into. I don't want to talk about it right now, mm. uh, but that's part of our list. So that's what we're presenting to you today. It's the best of Twin Peaks in 2020. You know, for us, Brian, it started off with uh, our book, really. I mean, it really started off in the spring that we released Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. I mean, it happened right before March. I think the plan was to have our book out 
for April 8th for the 30th anniversary of Twin Peaks. And we had gotten the book out, was it early March? Was it early March that we came out? Yeah, it came out a little bit early, which was a surprise. Scott Ryan didn't tell us. We saw it go to the printers. Then it was radio silence from yeah, our publisher. Like, Scott, what's happening? Where's our book? And one day, um, Bino showed a picture on Twitter that he got the book. And then I went home and I had a package with our books. So you didn't I, even know it was there. You didn't no. even know the package was there. I was saying to you, check again, check again. Is there a package there? It was hiding behind a cement <laughs> wall, which I didn't know. Like uh-huh. I, I drove up to my house. I look on the, the steps. There was nothing there. And I'm like, we didn't get it, man. I get out of my car. The Twin Peaks fans are getting it, but we are not. Yeah. I get out of my car and there is a package behind my steps. It was hidden. And I was like, oh my God. So I drove right to Ben's work. And Mm -hmm. that famous photo of me and Ben with our thumbs up with all our books. Yeah. uh, Like we took that right away. We were so excited. So Ben, I, I think about the fact that we did a book condensed normally it takes two to three years, maybe write a book. We did it in a year. But the crazy part is I always think about it. We did it at the right time. And, mm. you know, your idea about when we did it worked out perfectly because I could not imagine us trying to do that now. No, that, that, I don't know if it would have happened. I mean, you th- yeah. I don't know about everybody else, but like you say, oh, yeah. I mean, I, at the beginning of this whole pandemic thing, I was like, I've got all the time in the world. I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to do this and I do that. And whether it be stress or just trying to manage life or what, it just doesn't really work out that you have all the time and, or that you even want to do things. So I can't right. imagine trying to do this book during these circumstances. And I, I agree. I feel so blessed that we were able to get it done and released before this whole thing. And I hope that it, it brings some people joy that people who picked it up at, you know, bluerosemag.com and that they really get a kick out of it. I mean, it's, we put a lot into it, right? We got over a hundred people, hundred cast and crew who contributed to it. I can't believe Kyle McLaughlin. We've got an interview with him. Yeah. Wayne Dunham, Mark Frost. I mean, there's so many people that were part of this. And then to think that the community, this really is a book on for the community, by the community. I mean, right. it's so many, over 50 community people contributed to this as well. So it's, it is a, it's such a special book. I've said this a million times, supplies are running out. Right now, it's still at a great price, $19.99 at bluerosemag.com. But I'm so thankful we got it done last year. I'm so thankful we got it out before the pandemic. And that it could give people some entertainment if they're stuck inside. And there's a digital version for people who can't, don't want a, another physical thing in their house because they got too many books. I mean, I'm very thankful of Scott Ryan giving us that opportunity. And thank you, I Scott, mean, for doing yeah. that. Yeah. The cool thing with the book, too, is like, I, I feel like I have tr- more trouble reading now, too, where, like, you know, with everything going on. The great thing about our book is that we have these short chapters. I mean, we're, we fit in. The first season, the second season, the third season, Firewalk with Me, we put in, we crammed in a lot. So you have a few pages based on the pilot and a few pages on the episode one. And it makes it so easy to pick up, read, read that short chapter, put it down, and then come back to it another day. And I think that's kind of cool about that. Just right. if you got the time, you read a little bit. And you want to do another rewatch of Twin Peaks. It's a great companion piece. on to another book 
that came out the, the same time our book came same out. Same time. Uh, David Bushman, a friend of the podcast and a, a gentleman and a scholar, uh, an all-around wonderful person, he came out with a book called Conversations with Mark Frost. And that book came out the same time our book came out. It just blew us away that he got Mark Frost and he was having conversations with him for two years or so. Yeah. And, you know, Mark Frost, it was just so cool that we got to see the other side of Twin Peaks. We know the Lynch side. There's so right. many books with Lynch. You know, there's a book called Lynch on Lynch, which is really just interviews with David Lynch that like the whole book is just basically Lynch talking about all, everything, all of his works, including uh, Twin Peaks. And to me, this is Frost on Frost. Like this is the book where you get to hear everything on Frost's side. I mean, yeah. I love that. Not, not only Twin Peaks, but he, I think he goes into other stuff he's done as well and a lot of his work and his writing and stuff. To me, like this is like, this is a book I've been waiting for for like 30 years, really, to be able to, to have a whole book just on Mark Frost. I mean, it's wonderful what Bushman did there. It's, it's a great book. Totally. And right now, Here's a clip of Mark Frost in L.A. with David Bushman and Scott Ryan. And this was recorded right when the pandemic had started. Like, mm. this is before you shouldn't have social gatherings. This is sort of like, wash your hands. That was it. That was the only thing yes. we were getting. Wash your hands. <laughs> and they recorded this in L.A. And then everything got shut down like a matter of weeks. So enjoy Welcome to Bart's Books. My name is Scott Ryan. I am the managing editor of the Blue Rose Magazine. And today we want to welcome Mark Frost. Hello, everybody. Thanks for coming out on, under such adverse circumstances. We've got everything against us. We've got the weather, yeah. we've got acts of God and government and everything. It's just crazy. So let's do the ceremonial Yeah, Get that going. It's the new hello. So David Bushman wrote Conversations with Mark Frost. These two men had over 20 conversations together. It's a Larry David table. Mocha Joe made this Yeah, Mocha Joe. This is a Mocha Joe table. Not not so good, Mocha Joe. (laughs) Um... So they had 20 conversations and more, more than 20. Yeah. Yeah. 20.5. <laughs> and that became this new book that just was released this week which is Conversations with Mark Frost. Great timing. Uh, yes. <laughs> so um, let's start with you David. Yeah. Um, where did you come up with this idea to do Conversations with Mark Frost? Um so I've been a long time admirer of Mark's work. Um, Twin Peaks obviously is what uh, I think it's fair. In fact, I think I asked you this question. I think it's fair to say that's what you're best known for. But um, I worked for 27 years at the Paley Center for Media, and I've known a lot. I've studied TV history for a long time, and I knew that Mark Mark's contribution to TV went way beyond that. And um, there, I knew that he, that there were so many interesting stories he could tell relevant to the history of TV beyond Twin Peaks. So I know he, I knew he worked, he came up through the Universal system in the 70s, which was where shows like McMillan and Wife, Columbo, um, McCloud, Name of the Game, so many shows were produced. And 
so many great writers uh, came out of that that system. And I and I knew that the writers' room at Hill Street at Hill Street was legendary with David Milch um, and Stephen Bochco, and so I was motivated by that. But mostly, to be honest, is that. Um, and I think this is my argument, and it's my argument, and Mark had nothing to do with it. I feel like um, he doesn't get necessarily in all circles the attention he deserves, A, for um, revolutionizing TV and actually being largely responsible for the quality of TV that, not not all by himself, but... but <laughs> For you know the quality of where, where TV has evolved to today, which was like Mad Men and Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and um, Watchmen, I think Mark doesn't get enough attention for that. So that was kind of where I was coming from when I, when I reached out to him, and he ignored me at first. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark, did you have any trepidation for doing this? You know, you knew to do a book like this, you were going to have to open yourself up. Uh, were you? Was it an easy decision or was it a hard decision? Uh, it was one I wrestled with for a while, um, simply because I I, um, I don't like to talk about myself a lot, and I feel secure about what I've done. I know, you know, I know the things that I've done. I was actually more won over by the argument that, and it's in the subtitle, "The Education of a Writer," that my experiences might be useful for people who are just starting out, young writers, people who want to get into the business. Maybe they could learn something and benefit from that. So, and there's a lot of entertaining stories too. You know, I've 45 years in show business. So you you have some interesting experiences and. I, we we ended up telling a lot of those stories, so um, that was more my reason for wanting to do it. And I thought, you know, you get to a certain point, and you're um, you're supposed to be perspective taking in life, right? You get to a point where you look back and you say, okay, what have I done? What can I what can I do? How can I be useful as a storyteller in ways other than maybe just telling stories? And so the book added up to something I wanted to do to to take stock of my own life. Um, and it was a great opportunity to do that. It was, it was actually kind of fun. We, I, I grew to really enjoy our, our sessions and he was very persistent. And, uh, he dug up all sorts of stuff that I'd forgotten about and probably helped me remember stuff that I'll you know, carry with me the rest of the ride. So I was grateful to David for that. I think also that one of the lessons, I mean, it's a tough, world out there in Hollywood and trying to make movies and films and I think you know your perseverance I think that's one of the really important lessons for for aspiring writers to learn it, it's not it does the, the chart doesn't look like that you know it's kind of like no there are no participation medals in show business <laughs> um, it's it's a Darwinian system it's very cruel to the people who are working in it um, it's it's notoriously got its mind on the bottom line rather than than uh, art more than commerce uh, commerce more than art but uh, coming of age when I did in the late 60s early 70s it coincided with this golden age of or what they call the silver age of Hollywood where the, the studio system was kaput all those all those businesses had as models had sort of failed television had made great inroads into the share that movies had on the American audience. So we had this amazing period uh, from the late 60s until the late 70s where American contributions to world cinema 
were probably as great as they've ever been. And, I'll, you know, you know all the, the films, you know the directors. It was Coppola, Scorsese, De Palma, um, Cronenberg, uh, Lynch. I mean, there was a whole group of people who otherwise might not have had their voices heard. And so I grew up in a period where, weirdly, there was a kind of idealism about the movie business. You really thought you could do art and commerce kind of 50-50 as a, as a proposition. The guys, the people who were making the movies still wanted to make money, they still wanted to be successful, but that wasn't the bottom line. It wasn't corporate executives with no experience in the business, which is what we have now, um, deciding what stories to tell. It was, it was them backing filmmakers with passion and vision and letting them run with the ball. Look back at that period in American film history and I wish I always try to encourage younger people to do that because there's some extraordinary work. I mean, I watched Five Easy Pieces last week. I had just finished a book about Jack Nicholson, and I said, I haven't seen Five Easy Pieces in years. And it's a masterpiece. I mean, it's some of the greatest performances ever put on film in this country, including Jack's. That's what film can do. And a lot of that has now fallen to what we call premium television, that kind of storytelling, that kind of melding of art and commerce. But for a brief shining moment, it was all in the movie business. And I was fortunate to land here when it was still going on and to sort of catch the tail end. Another book that came out this year, that came out later on in the year, it actually came out in October, um, is we had them on the show, Courtney Stallings. Uh, Laura's Ghost, uh, a very powerful, a very moving Twin Peaks related book. Yeah, it really is. And this was one of those books. It was even it was even better than I could have imagined. Like I knew it was going to be a great book. I knew Courtney was going to do a great job with it. But then to see all these people who contributed to the book, to have Cheryl Lee be a part of that, to have you have Grace Zembrisky and so many of our people from the community who who were part of this. That I feel like that's what makes this book even more special to have all these people contribute to it. And it, it is such an excellent book. I mean, this is like <laughs> it's such so good. Yeah, you know, we started the year off with our book and Conversation with Mark Frost, and that was just the appetizer, I thought. And Laura's Ghost comes out, that's like the main course. I think it rounded out the year for Twin Peaks books perfectly. I mean, there's a great balance there. We're going to play for you, not a clip from our show, but a clip from the Red Room podcast. Uh, this is Courtney Songs, Scott Ryan, and the wonderful Cheryl Lee. Courtney, I want to start with you. I feel like you and I have been talking about this book for 10 or 15 years, but I don't think it's been that long. When did the first idea for this book come to you? Um, It came to me in 2016, um, right after I got back from the um, Twin Peaks Fest in Washington. I, um, I was really thinking about the character of Laura Palmer and reflecting on her and, uh, and and wondering what other women thought about her and her legacy. And I know people have written about it individually, 
But I really thought, you know, I want to read, read something where a lot of women come together and, and talk about what she means personally to them. And, uh, and so I said, I, I looked to see if anything was, was out there and it wasn't. And, and that's when Laura's ghost was born, the idea of it. Um, I didn't know where it was going to take me, but I, you know, they always say, write the book that you would like to read. And so this is the book that I wanted to read, uh, and no one else was doing it. So I said, well, I guess, I guess I'm going to do that book. Cheryl, when did you find out about this book and did you have any trepidations about being a part of it? Well, Scott, as you know me, I'm not that great with linear time. So I don't (laughs) know exactly when I found out, um, but I think it was a couple years ago. And I'm a fan of Courtney. Um, as a person, as a teacher, as a writer. So I support her and her ideas, and I was very moved with all of the women that came together to share their stories in this book. And that, uh, and for Courtney, and that have, have also that have shared with me over the years. The Laura's story is such an interesting one at how it's covered in pop culture because so many people can say they love Twin Peaks but glide right past what Laura's story is. And I'm curious for each of you, we'll start with Courtney, but when did Laura's story really settle in for you? Because it's not that it just leaps out, you know, in the pilot and you start to realize what's really going on. It, it takes a while, but I'm curious when the seriousness of Laura's story came to each of you. Well, well, for me, um, you know, cause I watched Twin Peaks when I was a teenager and I, I love the show and, um, it really didn't come together for me until Fire Walk with me because it looks directly at Laura's story and, and it's what makes it uncomfortable, but also very real in the way it expresses the emotions of the trauma. And that's when I realized, Oh, this, you know, Laura's story and how Tweed Twin Peaks initially began was um, about this abuse victim. And, uh, and that's when it, it really hit me in the early nineties and nobody was talking about this. I mean, this was a, a taboo subject that was rarely, you know, talked about in any sort of, meaningful way on television or film. And so uh, it was the film, Fire Walk With Me, that, that really solidified. This is, this is the story about Laura Palmer and it's about abuse. What about for you, Cheryl? I mean, when, certainly when you were cast to play this body, you know, you, you had no idea. But when did it really settle in for you, the trauma of Laura? Um, laying on the beach as a dead girl wrapped in plastic. <laughs> I mean, wow. it, how much more traumatic, you know, I mean, there's something very, um, heartbreaking and jolting and, um, shocking about as someone that young laying there, you know, uh, having been found as a body on a beach that I knew I had a a sense, even if I didn't know what her story was. Um, 
you know, it's, it's, as I've shared before, it's never far from my mind, um, how often this happens in real life and whether it's the abuse or the incest, um, or the murder. Um, and even then at that time, without her whole backstory, I still had a very strong sense of her and, um, the horror that had led to that moment. Cheryl, obviously David and Mark are, are gifted writers, and I think David more than he gets credit for. But what did it matter or mean, I should say, to you that it was a female that crafted the Laura Palmer diary, and how did you use it as an actress? Oh, I just, I mean, what an incredible gift as an actress to have Jennifer's work and insight. Um, you know, I read it then and used it as my anchor, as my reference point, as my internal guide, and I would go back to it and circle things and use phrases to sort of link into. Um, so I was using it then, 30 years ago, and then when I reread it, uh, about five years ago for the Audible recording, I was even more blown away that she had been able to write that with all the complexities and all the nuances um, of this deep emotional understanding. But she was young when she wrote that as well. And um, just Huge, huge respect and gratitude to Jennifer. Um, just incredible, incredibly talented, creative artist she is. So we're going to move away from books. We're going to go into the podcast realm of, of entertainment that came out this year, Twin Peaks related. J.B. Mitten from the Red Room podcast and the godfather of Twin Peaks, John Thorne, a, ver- a friend of the show, and he's got his own book and he had Wrapped in Plastic magazine. They joined forces and decided that they came out with their own podcast in our house now. I didn't even see it coming. I was like, wow. I mean, both these guys have things that they, they want to say. I mean, they both have, uh, they great, they're great at, at looking at things and, and, and analysis and really making sense of it and sharing it with the community. I mean, it's a powerhouse. It's really amazing that the two of them came together. Right. And they take each episode to theme, right? They do uh, about baggage. What the ba- these characters, their baggage they're bringing mm. in. And they'll pick a theme and they'll go into it. And it's so insightful. It makes you think. It makes you think beyond what you normally would when it comes to Twin Peaks. I mean, it's just a great podcast. They did such a great, they do such a great job. And I hope this show continues outside of quarantine and it continues 
for a very long time because these two these two guys together, man, are, are yeah, a powerhouse, like you said, a great team, and um, it's more great Twin Peaks uh, talking points that uh, a lot of us have not covered. They do such a great job. And I wish we could have Josh and John on our show every episode, like every one of them, because they're so, they are so good. They're so insightful. And since we can't have them on our show all the time, it's so awesome that they have their own podcast. Right. So subscribe to it now, and we're going to give you a little taste of this show right now. Hi friends, this is J.B. Minton of the Red Room Podcast and the NR House Now Podcast, and author of the new book, A Skeleton Key to Twin Peaks. Ben and Brian, thank you so much for inviting us to participate in the special holiday episode of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. It's always been a special time of year. It's always been a very special episode. I want to include a segment from our uh, eighth podcast in the in our house now, where John Thorne and I discuss Philip Jeffries. We go really, really deep on Philip Jeffries. It's about an hour plus long conversation, but there's a segment in there where we actually break down our perceptions of the conversations that both Cooper and Mr. C have with Jeffries and how it relates back to the conversation in Firewalk with me. Perhaps it's it's wise for us to move into the meat of this, which are the two primary conversations where we hear Jeffries talk. Um, you know, and on the camera, we see whatever's supposed to be Jeffries and we hear it talk. So, yeah. So, you know, what's striking to me is that we have these two encounters with what we assume is the real Philip Jeffries. Um, and, uh, and I've got it. I'm going to say up front here that this really gets very tough to get your hands around. And I, I don't really have an answer. I, I can't say, you know, that I figured it out at all. Um, Jeffries is that kind of character, and I'm not sure you're supposed to be able to figure him out. I think he is supposed to be elusive and very, very difficult to to fit into the story. But that being said, we do have these two encounters. One has Mr. C going through various corridors through the Dutchman's to finally get um, uh, a meeting with uh, Philip Jeffries, and he has a lot of questions. <clears throat> And, and so there's this dialogue that goes on uh, between the two of them. We'll talk about that in just a second. There's a second version, very similar, where Cooper in Part 17 is sort of guided through these various corridors uh, by Philip Gerard or perhaps Mike, um, to another audience with what, again, we assume is, is Philip Jeffries. Um, in that second version, Philip Jeffrey says some um, nonsensical things or things that don't seem to fit with the conversation. Um, and I'm sure you know, you know what I'm talking about. In that second conversation, he he says uh, things like, um, "Did you ask me this?" And there may be someone. I mean, these are non sequiturs. They don't fit with the back and forth dialogue that we, you know, assume would be happening between Cooper and Jeffries. Um, he also says something very, very curious to Cooper. He says, "This is where you'll find Judy," and um, 
I mean, that's open to all kinds of interpretations. What is he talking about there? This is where you'll find Judy. I mean, Cooper's asking to go back to 1989. Is that where Cooper's going to find Judy? Or Jeffries has just mentioned something called the unofficial version. Is is that where um, Cooper's going to find Judy? And why is he bringing Judy up? Because Cooper hasn't even mentioned it. And so it struck me that some of what Jeffries is saying in that second conversation seems to fit uh, a little more logically with the first conversation that he's having with Mr. C, as if this Jeffries entity is um, experiencing both conversations at the same time. And so, friends, what you're about to hear is a recalibration of uh, those two conversations into one that's a little more coherent. We're not saying this is the definitive version of it, but it's something that John and I went back and forth on and what made the most sense. So take a listen. This is really fascinating. Why did you send Ray to kill me? What? I called Ray. So you did send him. You call me five days ago. I don't have your number. So it was someone else who called me. There may be someone. Did you ask me this? We used to talk. Yes, we did. Please, be specific. 1989, you showed up at FBI headquarters in Philadelphia and said you'd met Judy. about Judy. Who is Judy? Does Judy want something from me? Why don't you ask Judy yourself? Let me write it down for you. This is where you'll find Judy. Who is Judy? Did you ask me this? You mean I've met Judy? There it is. 
one particular instance is quite striking where uh, Jeffrey says, why don't you ask Judy yourself? Uh, Mr. C is saying, you know, why won't you talk about Judy? And, uh, he, and then Jeffrey says, why don't you ask Judy yourself? Let me write it down for you. And then the numbers come out. And then what seems to be a line of dialogue that would fit perfectly there is, this is where you'll find Judy. And he's giving him coordinates and he says, this is where you'll find Judy. So, um, as if that line of dialogue that's being spoken to Cooper later in the story um, fits, you know, more logically in this first conversation. And and again, I would I would argue if that's the case, then Jeffries is so untethered he doesn't even know he doesn't really even know who he's talking to. He's trying to figure it out. He thinks. Um, Maybe he thinks it's Cooper. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, he he's confused too. But then he would be confused, I guess, about just about anything. Um, and so, anyway, that I think that might help explain a little bit of why Jeffries behaves the way he does in these two very um, confusing and and difficult conversations uh, that take place between essentially two Coopers and Jeffries. I'd also like to throw in the firewalk with me conversation too, because I think it's important. I think w- whatever the the level of understanding that Jeffries has about the moment he's in and firewalk with me, I think it's deteriorated significantly by the time that we see that first conversation with Mr. C. So that, that ability to even call out what's that, who do you think this is? Like, you know, that, that presumes that he's got a knowledge of who it really is. But at this point, they're questioning each other. Like, you know, are, are, are you Jeffries? Are you, are you Cooper? And um, I really like this idea of Philip Jeffries as an agency having, you know, two or three conversations at the same time that would be, you know, to him all happening consecutively, but to us, it's actually happening in the beginning, the middle and the end of the story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you, um, and I think Frost talks about this. I actually think he talks about it in the final dossier where he has Tammy essentially trying to figure out, you know, what Jeffries is. And and she knows about this original meeting that, uh, happened with, um, Jeffries in 19, well, we can get into why the dates were wrong, <laughs> 1989, um, the, the movie establishes it uh, as 1988, uh, the return says it's 1989, um, I don't really want to get into that. It's a mistake and it's not a mistake. And well, I think you and I talked about that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter, right? Because time is so slippery that you can excuse it away as Jeffrey's just not even knowing, um, uh, you know, what, what, what's going on in, in time. So, um, um, but yeah, he, um, he he seems to be perhaps experiencing these various things as he's untethered to time, experiencing these various encounters simultaneously. And you just brought up something really interesting. I really kind of thought, you know, formulated, but the idea that that Mr. C is approaching um, uh, Jeffries and he's not sure really if there's a real Jeffries or a, an imposter Jeffries. He's trying to get his ground under him. And the same thing is happening with Jeffries. He's looking at Cooper and he's like, uh, are you Cooper? So you are. So neither one of them is sure of the other's identity. And that's an interesting parallel that I hadn't really considered before. But, you know, it's definitely there. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, one thing we can assume is correct is that whatever this machine is that we meet, it has some type of control over memories or at least the perception of reality because it alters it. You know, it allows Cooper to go back and alter what is essentially, you know, a, a concrete post, support post of whatever this experience is that he's going through. That Laura Palmer was murdered. She died. I came to Twin Peaks. I helped solve it. Like uh, uh, pulling her out of that and saving her just makes the whole building collapse. And Je Jeffries, perhaps it's like, that's the last thing that that agency can even do is allow Cooper to manipulate his own concept of reality. Yeah. And so this is where I get at, and I think you and I are kind of on the same page here is that I said earlier in the podcast that I thought that if there is a real Jeffries in the store, he only appeared once. <laughs> and, uh, and that one time is the conversation with Mr. C in the Dutchman's. Well, there you have it. You can listen to that entire conversation on the theme of Jeffries and the other nine themes from season one by searching for the In Our House Now podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. If you're looking for a gift to buy that hard-to-please Twin Peaks fan, consider a copy of my book, A Skeleton Key to Twin Peaks. 422 pages of beautiful color on 80-pound paper, every inch hand-designed with craftsmanship and concern by myself. You'll never think of the return the same after reading this book. Head on over to TwinPeaksSkeletonKey.com for all the info. And Ben and Brian, happy holidays to you and to all the amazing Twin Peaks fans out there. Love you all. Ben, to stay in the flavor of podcasting, a podcast came out um, this year as well from three ladies, Goldie, Jenna, and Katie. And you might be like, this is a Twin Peaks show? But it's it's called There Is a Podcast All Right. And you're like, Man, it's about Twin Peaks? if they were here right now, they'd be like, it makes perfect sense. In season three, there's a, uh, that's a body, all right. I mean, yes. it's, a, it's, a, it's a play on words. I know, I know. And it's great. Now, the reason I picked this show is they do a, a great job because you hear the perspective. Also, they do things about each character. They'll pick one character and they'll talk all about that one character. And I think that's really cool because it's like a deep dive on something and they, they don't take it seriously. And I think that's refreshing. I, I love the conversations they have. I always, the vibe I get is I feel like I was just like walking by and they were having a Twin Peaks conversation right. and they kind of let me in on their conversation. It just, there's just a great vibe that, that their podcast has. And I really do enjoy it. It's one of the, my favorite new Twin Peaks uh, podcasts, besides of course, in our house. There's a podcast already. I always get one big laugh. Something ridiculous. They go off on tangents. There's a, a comedic thing about their conversations. So I highly recommend you go out and subscribe to their show. Here's a little clip of their show. There's a podcast, all right. Musings on the gifted and the damned coming to you from KPJK, where it's all about the bunnies. Drink up. First of all, this is the question I'm posing to both of you. 
the French woman, does he like her because she doesn't speak? Meaning Gordon Cole's a chauvinist pig mm-hmm. and the sound of another woman's voice <laughs> talking. <laughs> or is it because like what is what is it is it because he's just kind of like my ideal woman she doesn't talk because he can't hear quotation mark quotation mark can't hear right so it's about her miming i mean everything she did was so ultra expressive as if she was you know it was a pantomime performance and that maybe for him is more you know um communicative than than verbiage because he can't fucking hear supposedly he has selective hearing. That is a very kind interpretation. That is a very kind interpretation. He spent an evening drinking wine with her. Telling him, telling word. her his stories. His stupid old man yeah. loser stories. Yeah. Oh, it was oh, the like, about the, the turnips. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I forgot about the turnip joke. I'll tell you what, I recognize that scene. That scene where she's like on his shoulder and he's like, and then I was in the fields and I had to move. I don't remember what it was about, but I was like, oh, God, that poor thing. Dude, I've been there. <laughs> but she, I mean, she knows what her role is. She knows she's getting paid. She knows what he likes. She's making a fantasy for him. Do you think he brought her to Buckhorn? Well, that, that woman be in Buckhorn. <laughs> Why would she be in Buckhorn? No, yeah, fat chance. I, I imagine she must have. That's, I mean, when you really start thinking about how sketchy that is, that he's yeah. got some other private jet flying in girls. Yeah, it escorts. Mm-hmm. I guess I didn't really necessarily think of her as an escort. Like, I just wouldn't, that was my one thing where I, not to demean sex workers. But I was like, is that all he has? Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, totally. So that kind of ties into one of the thoughts that I had about him basically just being a uniform. Like, we only ever really see him at work. So maybe that is all he has. Mm -hmm. Because he's sort of seen and understands the big, bad, ugly of the world better than a lot of people, right? So using his uniform is kind of a shield from all that. So I wonder if the only time he can let his, you know, his guard down is around someone that he'd hired. He doesn't have any real relationships. No. Outside of work that we know of. Does he go to France on vacation? To hang out with Monica Bellucci? Yeah. Maybe. Do you think he does? Well, I kind of think that's pretty cool if he does. (laughs) (laughs) But he could also be that much in a fantasy world. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, because we know the whole French thing, you know, the kind of girl that makes you wish she could speak a little French. But then there's the whole David Lynch thing of Isabella Rossellini. Yeah. Italian. Yeah. Just this kind of, like, gorgeous. Did he just, did Gordon, like, did he fly her into Buckhorn? This is Katie. (laughs) 
I already messed up because I was like, we're done. This is Goldie. This is Jana. Jana, what's the name of our podcast? It is called There's a Podcast All Right. What is it about? Uh, it is about Twin Peaks and all the wonderful characters that exist in that world. Goldie, why do you think people should listen? Because um, our podcast is good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So, Brian, for the next one, it's got to be David Lynch Theater on YouTube. And this brings me back to the days of DavidLynch.com, where I was a subscriber. I paid, I think, like $19.99 a month, and I got to see David Lynch little video clips that he would produce just for those who subscribed. And now he's given away for free daily his weather reports yes. and things that he's making and he does uh, the number of the day and it's so much fun just to get a little David Lynch every day. Right, and it was so funny when they started popping up. People I mean, it was getting tons of hits on social media were posting it. I don't know if there's a weird blue filter on it, but people would show how it would just get bluer. And yes. I don't know if that's because he wasn't white balancing the camera or that was intentional, but I want to believe it's intentional because this day and age, you could, you could probably fix it in post. If you wanted to, you could go yeah. into the editing and, and you might be able to fix it up. So I feel like, I think he's having fun with us. I think yeah. he's kind of like, it is what it is and we're having fun. And if it's blue, it's blue. If it's, <laughs> and I love it. And sometimes there's just messages. He tells us the weather He's making things with yeah. wood. It's kind of inspirational. I mean, honestly, when I would watch his little clip and he's making, he would show you how he's just making something. And you're like, yeah, you know, we're in quarantine. Let's make things. And we don't have to worry about it being perfect. We don't have to worry about like doing exactly what the instructions tell us. Just do it. You know, who cares? You know, right. and I, I think that's really nice and it's refreshing, yeah. you know? Yeah, it is. So, yeah, I just love it. I'm so glad that he did. I sometimes think it's like, did he hear me? I've been I've been saying on those podcasts for years, like he should bring back DavidLynch.com. And maybe this is the best next thing is that he's just using the YouTube to share his work. Yeah. And it's free for all. I mean, it's, it's so cool. I'm so glad he's doing it. Good morning. It's October 31, 2020, and it's a Saturday. Here in L.A., clear skies, a gentle cold wind blowing here today, around 55 degrees Fahrenheit, 12 Celsius. To get a glimpse of the big picture, check out The Dust Blows Forward and The Dust Blows Back by Captain Beefheart on the album Trout Mask Replica. Should be going up to around 84 degrees Fahrenheit this afternoon, 29 Celsius, and it looks like we're going to be having blue skies, and golden sunshine all along the way. Everyone, have a great day.
Here we go for today's number. It's October 30, 2020. 10 balls. Each ball has a number. Numbers 1 through 10. Swirl the numbers. Pick a number. Today's number is six. Next, this was a big, big deal and a big undertaking by Scott Ryan and Jen Ryan and his daughters who helped because I think it was a whole family affair. He did the Harold Smith Stay In and Play live stream. This happened kind of in the beginning of quarantine. Mm. I, I want to say it was still springtime, and it was an all-day event. He had guests lined up. He did a, a video packages, commercials that he filmed with uh, Kimmy Robertson. Hi, I'm Scott Bryan, and this is my master class on social distancing. Welcome to my master class on social distancing. I'm here to save your life with it. Well, let's be sure your credit card clears first. And it has, good. Now I will tell you tips. You've heard about washing your hands, staying six feet apart, all of those things. But no one tells you that these soaps are not for drinking. A great game I like to play is someone's at the door. A friend's here. I'll get it. No, it's a trap. You can't let anyone in. Ever. Ever. Don't be sad to be stuck in your house. You forgot you had a garage, didn't ya? I count this as going out for breakfast. Huff and Lysol will protect me. It's nice out here. One of the things we suggest here at the Social Distancing Masterclass is to no longer look at the news. Three more weeks. There's no good news out there, and we're Americans. We've been uninformed for years. This guy says four more weeks. <laughs> I'm certain that President Carter's taking care of us. Laura? Laura? You have to have household chores throughout the day. That's key. That's why I find myself stamping envelopes for the Blue Rose magazine. We don't have an issue for the rest of the year, but I'll stamp those son of a bitches all day long. I am Scott Ryan, and this is my masterclass in social distancing. Okay, where's my credit card? It's only $24.99 for a social distancing Scott Ryan masterclass. All right. Like he went all out. There was some music, there was laughs, there was love and he live streamed it on Facebook live it was a big big thing and I it blows me away what he got yeah I mean, I mean to have so many Twin Peaks actors I mean like Charlotte Stewart and I, mean, I think the biggest get was Levon Dolan yep. who played Harold Smith himself I mean that was so cool I mean like we're all kind of trapped in our house right at this time and to be able to get Harold Smith there to give us give us a message it was it was a really special day and I I'm just so impressed what Scott was able to pull off there were so many surprises he just did a great job he pulled it off 
he was exhausted, but he got to be his biggest hero. He got to play Letterman in a weird way. <laughs> he got to host his show and have these guests come on and have fun with them. And it brought the community together. And I think and he was, was doing great. all live. I mean, yeah, all live. Yeah. You know, a lot of times when we put things together, we record things and then edit them. And like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe Scott was just, you know, he was if a, if a guest wasn't able to make it, he would he would get bring somebody else in or he would he just he was juggling and <laughs> just doing it all. I don't I don't know. It was it was pretty impressive. It was I think it was a really special day. It really I think a lot of the fans really loved it. And it was something else. Hello? Hey. Ben, Brian, it's funny that you called right now because I was just getting ready to, uh, you know, think up a good idea to host your year-end show. You know, every year I get to host the show. It's like I look forward to it all year. And this year I got a great idea. I was like, what if David Lynch fires Sabrina Sutherland as his right-hand man and hires me to replace her? And I just get in all kind. Uh-huh. Yeah, well... Oh, a different way. Yeah. Oh, no, I... No, I didn't even really know. Um, I didn't really... Hadn't flushed... Flushed... Hold on one second. Kids? Kids? Yeah, can you tear down that office set thing? Yeah, just put it by the street. Yeah, thanks. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, we could do that. That's... That's an idea, as they say. Yeah. I mean, the Harold Smith stay in playing was a pretty big deal. Um, I guess I would probably start off with the beginning if you if you're highlighting the big parts of 2020. I feel like my opening was pretty exciting because I got Richard Green to do the countdown, had Mary Reber play a part. Um, it was right when. COVID just started, the lockdown had just happened, and, you know, people were out of toilet paper, people were losing their minds, they actually believed in the virus, it was a crazy time, so I did a skit to start off the Harold Smith thing that I, I really was proud of, wrote it, contacted Mary Reber, she was willing to send me the voice part, and uh, this is what I came up with. Mary's going to be so glad to see me. Yes? Hey, Mary, it's me, Scott. I came to see you. Jumped on a plane, got here from Ohio to Washington. Ticket was $3.15. There wasn't a soul on the plane. Scott Ryan, you just flew here? Mary shuts the door and returns wearing a mask. Slow your roll, Mr. Mexican Chihuahua. You aren't coming in here. There's a quarantine going on. You're supposed to stay inside. What's going on here? I, I flew to Graceland. The thing was closed. 
so I was like, what? I'll fly here. You know, I need some TP time. You have toilet paper? Give it to me. No, 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 TP. Twin Peaks? Twin Peaks, not toilet paper. Come on, let me in. I want to wash my hands where, where Leland told Laura to wash her hands. Come on, let me in. I would rather be quarantined with Bob upstairs than with you, Scott. No way. What, what was that? A home delivery of turkey jerky. The Uber Eats guy just dropped some stuff off in the kitchen. Don't get all hawk on me. Are you sure you're alone in there? Scott, I can't lie. Grace is here, Naomi Watts, Laura Dern, Kyle, and David Lynch himself. But you're hopped up on Sparkle if you think you're getting in here. You need to stay inside, wash your hands, and be safe. Just go home and do your best Harold Smith impression. Maybe FaceTime next time? I got idea, man. To Laura, in our hearts and memories locked. Let's rock! I could... I could FaceTime everyone. From all around the world, they could see it. Thanks, Mary. Great idea. Ha! When you see me again, I sure hope it won't be me. Has anyone seen my other green glove? And now, forget your troubles and get happy, because the owls are not just in the roadhouse. They are coming directly to your house. The Blue Rose Magazine presents Harold Smith's Stay In, Play In 2020 Live Facebook event with special guests Charlotte Stewart, Sherilyn Fenn, John Piricello, David Patrick Kelly, James Marshall, Kimmy Robertson, special appearance by Mary Reber, and maybe a surprise guest or two. I am your announcer, Richard Green. No, I banda. That guy, remember? And now, the man that doesn't get any bluer, who always wears two green gloves and awaits you in the red room, your host, Scott Ryan. I gotta tell you, I want Richard Green to announce me wherever I go. I mean, it's incredible. I love that beginning so much. Um, You know, we didn't know how we were going to do it, and uh, it plays pretty well just from audio as well. I had a cutout of Mary Reber and just a picture of the Palmer House, and then I shot me out of my front door live so it it kind of worked cuz we couldn't have someone film Mary because you know they would have been close and someone would have come over so i i wanted to keep her safe and then it was great of Richard Green to be willing to do that we pulled off this whole Harold Smith thing that lasted just about 3 hours in about two and a half weeks the idea behind it was that We were supposed to do Graceland that weekend, and I was lucky enough, along with Ben and Brian, to be asked to host some panels, and one of the panels I was going to get to host was with the Twin Peaks cast, like the actual cast, and that would have certainly been the pinnacle of my Twin Peaks career, if I have one. Do you have to get paid to get a career? I'm not sure. But um, I was like, oh, on... This Saturday, I should have been talking to the Twin Peaks cast. And then I thought, well, why don't I just talk to them? So I asked Sabrina Sutherland first if it was okay if I tried to get 
you know, people who wanted to talk. And she said, sure. She gave me the go ahead. So then I just started to reach out to people. Uh, you can watch this whole thing. It's up on YouTube from the Blue Rose Magazine's um, YouTube channel. It's also on our Facebook page. It's been viewed. I haven't checked the numbers in a while. But it was up to about 18,000 or something crazy. So a lot of people have watched it. Uh, the next thing I got to do was have Kimmy Robertson, our lovely Lucy, in a skit about social distancing. Where's my credit card? It's only $24.99 for a social distancing Scott Ryan masterclass. Six feet away. I don't know who keeps knocking on my door, but this is not what you call social distancing. Mm. And now I'm thinking about it, that's not going to work visually. You're going to have to check that one out on YouTube. Uh, I, I don't think that one's going to work. We had some surprise guests, which was amazing. Um, we had Rebecca Del Rio. She came on and sang No Stars. Uh, comically, YouTube tried to shut me down by having it because they said it was copyright. And I'm like... I'm not playing No Stars. That's actually the lady who wrote it singing. You know, I think it's okay. My dream is to go to that place. You know the one. Where we are. So, had Rebecca Del Rio singing, which was a surprise. You can hear more of that and Yolando on the complete video. You got to see Sherilyn Fenn's bedroom. She FaceTimed from there. Charlotte Stewart showed some crafts. Harold Smith was the surprise guest, which was very exciting to have Lenny Von Dolan himself. He was... So great. I mean, it was such a great ending. And then my good friend M. Brule sang uh, Sycamore Trees at the end a cappella, which I love that so much. Um, it was a great day. Everyone got to come together when things were scary and celebrate Twin Peaks. And it's, it was an incredible gift. Um, one of my favorite things I ever did. And I hope people enjoy it. You can check it out at... YouTube, The Blue Rose Magazine, or our Facebook page. Issue 15 of The Blue Rose comes out in February. you got to buy 14 and 15 together. This will be our last issue for a while. Um, so make sure you support us and, and get that. And congrats to Ben and Brian for being on the air for 17 years. It is incredible that they've been able to do this for 17 years. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and sit in my backyard in my fake David Lynch office that I built for my skip to host the show. Have a good one, boys. See you next year. So for the next one, Brian, is we, we got Jeremiah's Take the Ring. He's got his, his YouTube channel, and he's always got these really well-made uh, Twin Peaks videos that I just, yeah. it's just like, he really like goes into the analysis of Twin Peaks. I just love him. I would totally recommend you check out uh, Take the Ring. 
And then he, you know, he actually did a documentary recently on Twin Peaks, or really the the where it's filmed, all the film sites and stuff, and going into the, uh, Washington and, and checking all this out. It was really cool. It kind of brings back memories, especially when we can't really go places right now, and to be right. able to, to be kind of taking that drive with him and experience it. It was such a special uh, video that he put together. Yeah, it hits you in the feels. It really does. Because I told them when we had him on the show, which you'll hear a little clip about it, that it it made my heart hurt a little bit. Because mm. I w- it was so happy to see it, but you're, you just wish you could be there, but you can't. I think that's why it's a bittersweet. But for people who have never been, here's an opportunity to watch it from the safety of your home. And for the people who have been, it just brings you back. And um, I think the production value he did is top notch and it's so well done. And I highly, highly recommend you go subscribe to his YouTube channel, Take the Ring. And we had him on the show and here he is talking about the whole process of getting that together. How are you, Jeremiah? Good, how are you guys? Great. Yeah, so the video is called Three Days in Twin Peaks. And that was one of my first questions I was going to ask you is like, when did this happen? Like, I imagined it didn't happen during COVID-19 here. No, no, yeah, it was it was early last year. It's cool, because I, but I put it together this year. So when I wrote the, when I kind of wrote the script, I tried to keep it timeless. Mm. I, do, I do mention it's, it's around Twin Peaks' 30th anniversary. Right. And for the the Stephen Millers and the hardcore people, <laughs> they you could watch it and maybe pinpoint because it's pre pre Tweed's new ownership. Ah, okay. So there's a the shot of the the walkway with the pictures of of Norma and the wrapped in plastic magazines. I guess they've redone all that. I didn't like this that. recently. Wow. Um, but anyway, like the hardcore crazy. <laughs> Twin Peaks nerds might be able to pinpoint it when exactly it was filmed based on certain things. But um, I just tried to keep it kind of loose because, you know, didn't want to tie it to a specific time period because that's yeah. kind of what the show's right. all about, et cetera. It's timeless. Did, would, would you have to, like, did you, before you even went there, did you have to reach out to people and say, okay, I want to go visit the log or I want to go, I want to go to certain places and let them know, hey, I'm going to come by and, and video record this? Yes and no. I basically took the Blue Rose magazine number nine or number eight uh, that's got all the coordinates. Yeah. And I put a PD, PDF together of, I ran through and grabbed some screenshots of like the sign and couple shots I was like well if I'm there I definitely want to try to kind of like line these up and see what happens but a lot of that stuff was accidents a lot of that stuff was um well so the Keanu Lodge is like two hours away from Snoqualmie Mm. Valley right the Great Northern and Laura's Log so I I did send an email ahead of time just like hey I'm Twin Peaks fan I'm gonna be in the area can I stop by but like I said, it was kind of last minute, didn't send the email till the weekend. So it's like, it's Monday morning and I'm, I'm headed there and I hadn't heard back yet. So I ended up just basically knocking on the door of the office and just, and making sure there was nothing going on and saying, Hey, I, I'd, like, I'd like to take some pictures of the log and maybe walk around the property a little bit. And, um, and they were fine with it. And I think on their website, it says, you know, 
you know, shoot us a message or give us a call, make sure we got don't have anything going on. And then um, everything else is uh, exteriors for the most part. I didn't call up the Salish Lodge to say I'm going to take some video of the falls because, I mean, there's 100 people there taking sure. pictures right. of the falls. Right? So, but then, oh, the, the sheriff station I did. I yeah. knocked, walked in, knocked on the door and said, hey, Twin Peaks fan, you got anything going on? Can I, can I walk around a little bit? And I think that's pretty much anybody really needs to do is either call ahead or find an email or if you do show up there on the day be polite and yeah definitely. yeah, yeah <laughs> what I love about your video is it is you get to you're in your car so in some ways i feel like you're you're driving us into twin peaks you know what i mean like i kind of like that the way you you kind of edited this throughout the your video and stuff it's, it's kind of fun cool I'm, I'm glad you like that i mean most of it's pretty much just exteriors yeah and like it was very loose like I said, I was starting a new job. I wanted to go on vacation. So we, we spent a couple of days in Seattle. We went whale watching up north. We went to another part. But I, I blocked off this like two and a half, three days to be in the Snoqualmie area. And we, I was like, I'm not going to stress about this. I have a camera. I have a mm. list of places. It's like the uh, the scene with the Twin Peaks signs, got the guy with the pickup truck parked yeah. there, you know. <laughs> it's like, I could have gone back and tried it again. I actually had a couple lines in there in my script about, hey, this is not going to be perfect because life's not perfect and Twin mm. Peaks is a real place and you're going to go somewhere and, and the, you know, the coffee might not be great or mm. the fall, <laughs> it might be raining when you go to the falls. I had this kind of thing about how like you need to be able to embrace like the, but it was literally like, Go to the sign, set up the shot, you know, five, ten minutes, take a look around, deep breath, go to the sheriff's station, knock on the door. Hey, can I come in for a minute? I mean, like, yeah. I just, it was like run and gun. <laughs> try, to, try to enjoy it, take it in, try to relax. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Myself, try to capture some stuff that I know, like, you know, guys like us would, actually, would like, Twin right. Peaks fans would be interested in. Yeah. So what, so what was your what was probably your favorites? Maybe you can do more than one. But what was your favorites when you actually got there? It was just you're in awe, and you're just like, wow, I'm actually seeing these 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 locations for. Yeah, it was weird. It sounds corny, but like the the whole thing was for me because I've been a fan since I was 15 or something, mm. like 25 years or something, and yeah, always wanted to go. Never thought I would. And, you know, you kind of get there and I mean, the Kiana Lodge, the first place, like just kind of blew my mind. Like, mm -hmm. oh, there's, there's, there's where Pete was standing. There's the log and you go inside and like, I remember all these, this artwork on the walls and stuff from the, from the show. I like Olali State Park a lot. And that was a weird thing because it was like pouring down rain and like, it was just, you know, but I was like, well, I, I got to do it. And you go there and. I think that was the most interesting because it's deer, it's deer meadow. So you've got mm. the deer meadow mountain yeah. and the, the deer meadow sheriff station. And then you go in the woods and then it's like the return stuff. You got the Nido's portal and the Jackrabbit's palace and the, and I'm kind of a nature guy a little bit. I don't do it as much as I should, but I, I like camping and going out, spending time outdoors with friends and stuff. And that was just beautiful being up in the, I have woods and forests and lakes and rivers and stuff, but, I mean, everything's super green because it's so wet. It's, there's, mm. it's wet and moisture. And like, I mean, I had to turn the saturation down 
I had to take some color out of some no. of those videos <laughs> because it was so wow. like kind of like overwhelming, you know. Right. So that that was that was a big thing to me. But I loved it all. Like I just I yeah. couldn't. Heritage Stanton's bench, Mount Sai itself, yeah. mm. the sheriff station with the. I mean, I I probably just kind of stood and looked at the mill for. I'm kind of a, I wouldn't call myself a history buff, but I like history and looking up old buildings and things and you know that's super interesting so just kind of had a quiet moment just staring at the sawmill for a little bit yeah i i I loved it all so your video plays like a history like you're watching a history channel you know it plays like an a and e or history channel sort of like here's saquami here's like the history behind twin peaks and that's why i think it's so cool because you get these little nuggets of an old photo a picture that you, a video you took with a split screen with uh, the original, which was kind of, I, I love that. You match it up very nicely. So, but two things, when you were at the sheriff's station, were they still selling pieces of Kimmy's uh, desk? Because when we were there, they had a keychain and they had destroyed her desk and they were selling little pieces of keychain that had her, that was her desk. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I don't think so. No, they were probably all out. Yeah, um, yeah. We showed up uh, for a festival, and it was, and the show was actually airing in two thousand seven. Yeah. And w- what I'm jealous is that you got to see Jack Rabbit's Palace because the episode hadn't aired yet. So yeah. first of all, we wouldn't even know about it. But it's still like some people probably stumble upon it. It's quite an amazing site, I think, the way it's structured. And so it's so cool that you got to, you, you know, get to experience that. Yeah, I, I did like it, and it's it's literally a stump of a giant tree and i bet if you went there right now like it's probably almost gone because if you notice i don't know about gone gone completely but the the kind of the spire the like the tower part of it like the thing that pokes up so when i I went there if you tell if you if you watch the video my my jackrabbit's palace is is way darker Mm. than the one show and that's because it's soaking wet and it's really just I mean, I imagine within a year or two, it's going to be like nothing left, especially yeah. the fire, the, the tower part. It did so look it, thinner, your version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's eventually just going to disintegrate because it's mm. it's uh, it's not petrified or anything. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like right. uh, like preserved. But again, another reason why just capturing the moment and trying to, you know, and I hope that somebody goes there in a year or two and the fact that it'll be gone or changed is going to impact somebody a different way like Mm. oh it's sad that it's not what it is but here's where it was and there's places like that you know still like ronette's bridge you know used to extend over the roadway and that's how you see it in fire walk with me and some of those early uh you know but that, that part of that road has been torn down and so the bridge is still there which is cool but you can't stand on it and walk across it the way Ronette did. You know right, what I mean? Right. That's funny. It doesn't yeah. go anywhere. <laughs> so Ben, this year a lot of celebrities had a lot of downtime. And they got to get in touch with their fans, I think, this year. And Kyle McLaughlin really got in touch with his fans more than normal. I mean, he's he 
people love him at the wine tastings and you got to do the food tasting with him and the wine tasting. But this year he was very active on social media and April 8th, you know, he did a uh, Twin Peaks watch party at 1130 AM and he did the pilot. And then he went on Instagram live later that evening and did a Q and A with Machen Amos. She's waiting for her. Okay. Hold on. Connecting. Yay. I see you've got the memo of the clear glasses, Kale. <laughs> yes, I did. Thank you. I'm, I was mentioning earlier I'm having a difficult because I have progressive. So when I'm like oh. this, it's hard to read. So I keep going <laughs> to read the comments. First of uh, all, yeah. thank you for joining. Of course. That was fun watching it. Wasn't it? Yeah. I, uh, I hadn't seen it in a few years. And... Um, forgot just how powerful it was and what a, what performances yeah. you included how how wonderful you were in that gosh thank you no it's every time i watch it which i don't watch very often obviously <laughs> yeah um but i see something new and different and fun every time i get why all of our pin, you know peaky fans are religiously watch it over and over you pick yeah. up so many layers yeah i i agree hang on i'm just gonna have a sip of coffee here okay i will too mm. and then he did more things like that and then he did yeah and then I, I think he also did we also covered uh some uh, i think it was the end of season three as well but right he did a, it, it was a, it was a busy that week or so it was really busy for him doing watch parties right and it was so cool that the star of the show is doing something like this and really putting himself out there and be with the community more and more. And Kyle, you know, he has a reputation of being a really, a really great person and a gentleman and uh, he loves his fans, but it was just so cool to see him do these little extra things and really make people's day with this. Yeah. Yeah. It was really special. It was such a special thing to, to, to be a part of that. And I feel like that kind of leads into our last one where uh, Twin Peaks Unwrapped, we actually did our own watch party. And I think it, I, I mean, it had to do with Aaron Cohen and Twin Peaks, where we were talking about what we should do. We should do a watch party. This was, this was before we even knew about Kyle. We were like, we should do our own watch party mm -hmm. for the 30th anniversary to, and do the pilot. So we were, I think we were all discussing that and trying to figure it out. And we, we actually decided to use Cast, which was a new, something new to me that I didn't know about, where we could actually host and uh, stream our own videos. And that was so cool. And then that kind of led to pe people got excited about it. We had a, a group of people who were chatting and we were all in, this, in the cast party together watching Twin Peaks that it actually became a continuing thing where we we did it for weeks we went we went all the way through October watching Twin Peaks through uh, season one to Firewalk with Me in season three and it was so much fun that we got to host and people got to enjoy this and then we I it was so excited we actually got actors from Twin Peaks actors to give messages. I mean, we had we had Michael Horse and Krista Bell and, and Alicia Witt and David Patrick Kelly and Ken Walsh and Amy Shield and so many more. And I think the real big get was in October. We also had Kyle McLaughlin. He gave a a wonderful video message to the fans that were part of the that were involved in this watch party. So it was such a cool thing. I I was so glad that we were able to do that for the community. Right. And Ben says we, but Ben, this is all you. You 
you deserve all the accolades on this one. I mean, you you did it. You showed up for like, the intros. You came I, in. For I, the I, I, you know, you know, Ben. If you guys missed it, Ben and myself, we would record the intros every Friday. But Ben was basically streaming this from his house, and you know, Ben would get all these people, these surprise celebrities. Like, I think that was like one of the coolest things of the year. You know, I was there at the beginning. I would be in the chat, and near the end, I came back on. And I know there was an ongoing joke from our friend Adam. <laughs> uh, about where I was. Yes, it, that became actually though. Awesome. No, see, I and I say joke back to you, Brian. I think he likes you more than me. So he's like, "Oh, Ben's here. Ben's here. Where's Brian? I'd rather have Brian here." You know, I don't say anything. I don't bring anything to the table. But listen, it is a lot of fun being in that chat and talking to people. And when Kyle showed up, Aaron Cohen grabbed a great screen capture of his phone. That chat blew up. That was really amazing. Right. Love. And people were so excited. Oh, my God. Like, you know, beyond words. It was just such a great get, Ben. Um, Oh, yeah. I mean, for Kyle to do that. Thank you, Kyle. I mean, that was so cool that he was willing to to record something for the fans. And I really, I think, I feel like so many actors were, were so supportive of the community. And they know that we've all been through so much this year and I think they just wanted to give back. I think they just wanted right. to be like, Hey, you know, if we can get, bring a little bit of happiness to you all, we will and stuff. And I think that's why we got these people on. It was just to be like, Hey, we're in this together. And he, I hope we can, you know, have a little laugh and a smile in these hard times. Hey, Twin Peaks watching party. How are you? I am so happy to hear that you all are gathering virtually to watch the show together. I'm guessing you are starting from the the beginning and going through all of the seasons. I'm not sure, but if so, I wish I could join you. That sounds like so much fun. Twin Peaks family, Christabel here. Hi, you guys. I miss you. Hello, Twin Peakers. Enjoy your screening tonight. Hello, Ben and fans of Twin Peaks. This is Ian Buchanan. You know me better probably as uh, Dick Tremaine or Richard Tremaine. Hey there, Ben and all you Twin Peaks fans. This is uh, Ken Welsh, AKA Wyndham Earl, sitting on my back deck. Hope you have a great time watching the show. here with my wisdom chicken, Laura Palmer. You guys, you're having a Twin Peaks watch party. Where's my invite? I didn't get it. It's me. It's Robin Lively, better known as Lana Butting. Hello, Ben, and hello all the wonderful Twin Peaks fans who have gathered for this virtual Twin Peaks watch party. Hi, Twin Peaks Unwrapped, and everybody who's watching the screening tonight of The Missing Pieces. I'm Sabrina Sutherland. I just wanted to say hello. I hope you enjoy the film tonight. Diane, it's my understanding that a number of people have been gathering to watch the show Twin Peaks and have actually been enjoying themselves almost as much as I'm going to enjoy taking a sip of this damn good coffee. Good evening to all you great lovers of Twin Peaks. 
I want to thank you all for your enthusiasm for Twin Peaks and your dedication to Twin Peaks. And I hope you all have a great screening tonight. All the best to all of you. Well, Ben, that is basically the, the best of Twin Peaks in 2020. And I'll, I'll give an honorable mention to a podcast we were just part of our, on our last show, Manners and Madness. We, we did a dual episode with them. Subscribe to them as well. If you like Jane Austen and David Lynch, go check them out. I want to mention them as well. I mean, there was a lot of other things too, right? But we can't name it all. We'll be here forever. But you know, I also, you know, also so important to mention our, um, you know, our partners, 25 Years Later site. I mean, those guys too. I mean, they're still doing great things uh, about Twin Peaks. Andrew recently did one on Bob, an essay on Bob. It's so good. And, you know, I mean, they, yeah, I would recommend checking them out. Yeah. And they've just expanded so much. I mean, they're besides 25 Years Later site, they also have... Uh, sports and and they have some horror and they've got they've really you know they've done so much and I love those guys and I love uh, the work that they've done and uh, support them yeah they've right. expanded and we we had them on before the pandemic talking about the expansion and right um, how they're growing and I, I think it's just awesome they're the greatest web page and if you can get them on social media you get the little bites in your feed about what what they're doing and they're wonderful well it's been a, it's been a crazy year brian this is not the way i enjoy you know talking with you i would rather I be you know right next to you and laughing with you you know in the same room but you know we've made this work and uh i i hope for better days in 2021 right and 2021 we are winding down our show will be ending in june it all depends on how things go but around our 250 mark so we have less than uh, i think 20 episodes now uh, ish so you know hopefully our show will give you a little slice of joy and um, everybody else go subscribe put them on your list check them out because i think it's really important to support the community uh they're great guys and gals and uh just wonderful people right so we'll see everybody next year in 2021 more community rewatches more surprises from the book and um i think we'll be doing an ultimate david lynch madness yes the ultimate one yes we're gonna pit the the four winners up against each other lost highway yeah we're gonna have everyone come back everyone's gonna come back that's ever been in a madness episode and we're going to have the ultimate David Lynch madness. So, Can't wait. I know. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, Ben. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy, New Year. happy holidays, everybody. And we'll be back next year. If you have a comment, question, or thought, give us an email at twinpeaksunwrappedgmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. And you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, all those wonderful pod places. Get your copy of Twin Peaks Unwrap the Book today at bluerosemag.com. Supplies are limited. Uh, at this point, supplies are probably very limited. And if you want a digital copy, it's on Amazon Kindle edition. And we'll see everybody next year. Stay safe.